you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wishes it was New Hampshire royalty. <laughs> Ricky wrote that one. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hensis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey now, feeling good. Feeling. I felt like last Thursday we were a little tense. There was a lot going on in the country. Now we're cool. You're rolling now. We're getting the version of Greg where he's sort of loose, easy, kind of like 2002 New Orleans vibe, Greg. A special vibe. <laughs> Is that true, Greg? Is this what you were like 18 years ago? Just totally relaxed. I mean, that, I would have been graduated from high school, but I did go back there quite, quite a bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. I'm just, you know. <laughs> you sold it. You sold it with, with effect. So. Way to paint a picture, Greg. Everybody, this is week 10. Double digits now as we give you a comprehensive look ahead at the football to be played this weekend and on Monday night. And uh, what we do, you know what we do around these parts. First of all, we have a controversy, lock of the week controversy right now. Ricky Hollywood's really stumbling through this season. Uh, We don't get the lock of the week from her until after the fact. And she, guess what? She says, oh, I took the Raiders. Oh, the same Raiders that had a miracle win. Uh, Ricky, come in here a second. Uh, Had a miracle win. Now you get your second lock of the year. A little bit suspicious uh, when you talk about the lock standings, Erica Tamposi. You know, I picked the Raiders. You didn't have me on the show to to vocally state it. I would have. And but then they, I asked, they asked you on Twitter for one before, you know, well yeah. before the game a couple times. You know, I Greg, I have so many people muted like you. I mm. didn't see the tweet. So. Yeah. Mm. Oh boy. Tough. So, are you saying Let's, are you yeah. saying that everything was counted properly when it comes to our competition? Yes. Right. No fraud. I actually, no fraud. I, I would have never thought that Ricky actually would have cheated because what would, what's the point? Um, but then Dan brought it up and she made it clear. Oh, actually, she did tweet. She, <laughs> she's such a bad liar. That's I was not, like, oh, wow. How about that? I mean, your, you know, your lock standings mirror your fantasy football team standings, which were in a league with you. So I don't, I don't, I don't quite get what the strategy was this season, but I'm going to stop talking because you'll probably prepare what? something for social yeah. media that destroys me 12 minutes from now. <laughs> It's like, hey, Erica, remember that time you lost fan? Like, it's irrelevant to everything we're talking about. Oh, I, love, I can't oh, cheat in fantasy football. It's irrelevant as soon as you have a losing either, record. I, I get don't. how this works. All right. We'll, we'll get you on the record this week later in the show. That's what we need. For sure. We need Ricky on the record before the games are played. Okay. Handled that. That was just on my mind. I don't, you know, we want everything to be above the board here at the Around the NFL podcast. All right. As we do. Every week, we do this draft style where we uh, pick games and then we follow them on Sunday, the games that we pick, and it's quite fun and uh, competitive. And I, the old Zeuser, have the first overall pick, and I am very excited uh, to talk about what's going on in the desert, the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Buffalo Bills. And 
listen, the Bills needed that Josh Allen performance. They needed it because they were still doing okay. They were winning. Uh, they were 6-2 and two going into last week's uh, game against the Seahawks. But if you looked at Allen's statistics over the four weeks that started the season and then compared him with the second uh, quadrant of the season, it was night and day. And you were thinking to yourself, oh, this is a problem because we know that the Bills' defense isn't as good this season. If Allen's going to revert back to his up-and-down uh, level of play in the first two seasons, they're probably cooked. And then what does he do? He lights up the Seahawks, who blitz him to death, and it doesn't matter because he keeps his eyes downfield and makes good plays. Uh, so now he goes to the desert to face a Cardinals team that, while I still like them and they're in good position in the NFC at 5-3, and three, uh, they Tua came to town, put 34 up on them, beat them. So I would think that Josh Allen should be able to do some business here as well. I look at yeah. this. I look at this Bills team, and it's like you are. If you take care of business against the Cardinals, and then you then you knock out a, a low level Niners team, you swept the NFC West. And not every win needs to be pretty. That Patriots uh, victory a couple weeks ago, you know, you're eking out an opponent a, a, a opponent that has like a psychological hammer over you for two decades. So you get out of that one closely. The Seahawks game made everything right. I mean, he. he I can't remember a game where a quarterback was sacked seven times. With less effect. I mean, he found guys over the middle over and over. Stefan Diggs is working in this offense. But you look at the Cardinals, and I think Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of Buffalo, said it right. Kyler Murray is tough to diagnose, obviously, in games. But all week long, you run these scout teams. You can't really run a scout team that shows you what Kyler Murray can do on the ground. And you go into games pretty raw, wondering what you're going to deal with, and it doesn't work out with. So I think this is an incredible matchup between two unorthodox quarterbacks. Yeah, the Cardinals are a great running team. A lot of that's just from Kyler Murray scrambling. There's no way to stop that. I think it's the most unstoppable play in football right now. And the Bills' defense has been especially bad against the run. But I think they're going to get better. I was never that concerned about Josh Allen. Um, relatively. I don't know if he's mm. going to be like an MVP. I'm saying in that four-game stretch, if you listened, I said I don't think he was playing that well. He played the best game of his career last week. I mean, I think we're underselling what he did. It wasn't just the numbers. It was the accuracy. It was the way that he did it. And I think you, you mentioned the first four games, and then he bouncing back last week. A lot of that is John Brown. I mean, John Brown, to me, is so important. If you line up their top four receivers, with John Brown being number two behind Diggs, but then you have Beasley and Gabe Davis is for real. I think that's the best one through four in the league, and I think Diggs and Brown might be the best one-two in the league. And what a perfect week to have them on the field against this Cardinals defense who's got one good cornerback, Patrick Peterson, but they've been rather banged up. Uh, at cornerback. They might get some players back this week, but either way, it's not a good deep cornerback group, and I love that the Bills can change who they are depending on the week. You can either go pass heavy or run heavy, and I think they're going to go pass heavy, and I'm not sure this Cardinals defense, who has great numbers, is is nearly as good as their numbers. I don't really trust their numbers if you look at the quarterbacks that they've done well against. What about, well, I, what about Kyler Murray not getting enough credit for being this good in year two. I feel like it's flown under the radar just a little bit this season. Everybody knows he's great, and if you play fantasy, which I'm sure most people watching this show and listening to this show do, uh, Kyler Murray's been a godsend for you. But man, he does it every week, and I found this interesting, that Josh Allen and Kyler Murray both account for 24 touchdowns at this uh, Mm. state of the season. Of course, Murray's doing it in his second year, Allen in his third. I think we're in in an environment where we are learning to be less impressed with quarterbacks because they're showing up as fully formed 
uh, starters. I mean, the Patrick Mahomes situation, Deshaun Watson, and Kyler Murray has been absolutely incredible to watch, but he's um, he's in the sea of other quarterbacks that are all doing remarkable things. It's not happening in year four and five. So I think it's fair to say that he's, he's not, I don't think he's under the radar because he's probably like a top five luminary in terms of quarterback, you know, Q rating where you want to get him on prime time. But I think that more people have to be exposed to the Cardinals. They're just our team that's not been on, you know, they don't get all the night games and stuff. Kyler Murray is a raging star in the making. Here's- we talked about how early in the year he wasn't as good throwing the ball as they were a year ago. They've fixed that. So I feel better about the Cardinals offense right now than any time in the season. The, the passing game is kind of in sync right now. And Kyler Murray has more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson. I mean... He is one of the best pure runners in the entire NFL, running back or quarterback. There should be a ton of points in this game. Let's pick it. I just want to pick. I'm picking the Bills. Three points. <laughs> High score. Let's pick it. Greg, yeah. you're so excited today. Uh, very antsy. I, uh, whew, this is a tough one. Uh, give me the Cardinals in this game. I think I'm, I'm, I just mm. got on board with Kyler Murray saying he's as special as they get. And how about this for a number? We all went nuts. And Mark, don't worry. We're going to get your pick too. We all went nuts last year as we should have with Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. But Kyler Murray's on pace to become the first player in NFL history with 4,000 passing yards and 1,000 plus rushing yards in the single season. Uh, Lamar just had 3,100 last year passing. So, I mean, mm. That's what I'm saying, Mark. Go ahead. I, so I got the Cardinals by a field goal. How about you, Mark? Well, I, I love that. I think Buffalo, by going run heavy for a couple weeks, lulled Pete Carroll and the Seahawks into thinking they were going to go run heavy in 70 degree weather in Buffalo a week ago. So you don't kind of know what they're going to do. I like that about the Bills. But for me, the Cardinals, uh, we just did our midseason wow. picks. I put the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. I kind of rolled the dice wow. there. So they're not going there if they don't win this game. I think they'll win it by 10 points. So you're making your pick based on your insane Super Bowl half prediction that includes the Dolphins, I think, going. I as mean, well? it's just the Dolphins, the car. It's just this sort of world that I live in, where all these things finally need to sync up. It makes literally no sense in terms of what the viewer is watching right now. All right, well, uh, good luck to you, Mark. Up next in the draft, Greg Rosenthal. All right, I'm going to the NFC West again. It is the Seahawks. Facing the Rams, this could be one of the biggest games in this division all year long. If the Rams win it, they are tied for first. And Sean McVay's kind of owned Pete Carroll in this matchup so far, winning four out of six. They gave him trouble. Even last year when the Rams were at their worst, the Rams beat him last December. And uh, I think it's a chance for Brandon Staley, who we haven't really talked about that much, the Rams defensive coordinator, to let everyone know in a big-time game that he matters and that he can cook up this Seahawks offensive line. That, that was my big takeaway from the Seahawks loss uh, to the Bills, is that the Seahawks offensive line started reminding me of what they looked like when Tom Cable was back there. Some bad memories. I mean, the interceptions, the turnovers, the fumbles were largely on the line, largely on not picking up blitzes, and Staley's been pretty creative. The Rams defense have definitely uh, improved. You have Donald, but I think Staley is going to give this line a lot to think about, and if they're not good, it's like Russell Wilson's carrying this team a little too much. Then he's carrying the line, the running backs are hurt, we know the defense is very good, and that's like a little too much weight to carry, Mr. Sessler. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that the Rams, who have been kind of hot and cold, I, you know, I, I feel sometimes they're not the sum of their parts, but they have five 
division games left, and so they have a chance to make as much of an impact inside the West as anyone. Um, and when I look at Seattle and I watch that bu- Buffalo game, it's just I want to say, hey, you know, Seahawks defense, uh, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is real life. This is happening before your eyes. Um, let's, you know, let's buckle up and play some defense for a change. But, I mean, the aberration aspect to me, and you're right about the offensive line, Greg, but Russell Wilson has experience playing behind hot and cold offensive lines his whole careers. Two interceptions, two fumbles. That's the worst Russell Wilson game we're going to get in years. That's That part's not going to happen again. So you're going to have to come back and deal with a Seahawks offense that still had DK Metcalf lighting it up last week. I mean, the pieces are still there to win shootouts. So I'm not handing this over to a Rams team. You know, Jared Goff, that Miami Dolphins team, like their cover zero scenario made life terrible for Jared Goff before the bye. I don't like the teams are able to unspool Jared Goff that way and put that kind of stuff on tape. I think this is a big game for both teams. I think we're going to learn something about these teams uh, because the Seahawks, you know, it's it's historic what's going on here with their defense. They are giving up the most passing yardage uh, by anyone in the history of the league. They're giving up 30 points a game. And now you get a Rams team coming off a bye, which gives Sean McVay, one of the great offensive minds in the league, two weeks uh, to game plan and figure out how to attack Seattle. And I want to see what Ken Norton and Pete Carroll have uh, in store with their defensive game plan here because we saw what they did against the Bills where, frankly, it didn't work, where they just blitzed and blitzed and blitzed and they set a season high with seven sacks, but they just got carved up in the secondary. So, you know, on that side of it, it's like, what can the Seahawks do? Do you Are you really going to put Russell Wilson in a situation every week where he has to be perfect? And the Rams, Robert Woods said it going into their bye week when asked about where they're at as a team. He said, we're good, we're not great. And that's where I have, that's why I have them in, our, in my power rankings at number 13, which is where I stick teams that are like, I don't know, they seem pretty good. Well, we'll Seahawks? see what they do here. We'll see what they do here. Where's the Seahawks? To me, like that describes the whole NFL, though, outside of maybe Kansas City, Baltimore. I would even throw in there, but I know I'm higher on them than most. Like, everyone's good, but not great. And I, I do look to the division matchup. Like, you can look at the Buffalo game, and okay, that that's interesting. But these are two teams that know each other so well. And McVay's always had answers for Carroll's defense, even when Carroll's defense was playing pretty well. To me, that is significant when I look at this matchup, that he's going to know how to get passing yards against the Seattle team. Yeah, I do. I do want to know sometimes, like, the the communication between Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Goff doesn't strike me as a, a Big Ben figure is going to go call his own plays. And at some point, I wonder what's going on there. Maybe, you know, in the downtime, they're asking, yeah. hey, you know, Jared, what's your favorite type of soup? And it's minestrone. But, like, I mean, what? What? I want to hear the whole thing. There's got to be I, – I want to see Goff take a leap. I really do. I, re, I want to see him take over games. I, I have to go back to that Dolphins game. He looked completely out of control in that game, and they made life so difficult. And it's it's but a script for other teams to follow. I mean, they also there's no reason to think the Seahawks can do anything remotely close no, to that. No, I mean, but no someone reason. will at some point. Maybe not the Seahawks. I mean, but the, it's, it's like it lo- it lessens my faith in the Rams overall. Jared Goff doesn't need to like lift his game to a heavenly level because he's a limited guy at that point. I think he just needs to be. Good enough. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a superstar. Well, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, we're five years out from that now. He is who he is, which is when things are going well, he can be very good to great. And usually he's kind of at this, what is he, the 13th best quarterback? There's the number 13 again. Sometimes. So maybe he's a perfect match for who the Rams are. Mark, you are up next. Well, I love I love sitting in this third spot and to see what's come to me. Uh, 
Tampa Bay at Carolina, uh, two very fascinating teams coming off of last week. One, the Bucks, that basically produced like the lowest rushing yards of any team in NFL history, rushing, rushing attempts, and basically had their worst loss of their franchise lore. And that's, this is a franchise that started 0-26 way back in the day. Uh, not what Tom Brady was expecting. I understand the week one tumble to the Saints. You thought that they would have come out and looked like a completely different team. They were schooled. They could not. That slow start to me was concerning. That said, I think the Bucks team is a team that's going to give you a game like this here and there, and I'm not overly concerned. What I want to see, though, is how they respond against a Carolina Panthers team that went into Kansas City with zero fear last week. I thought that they're, they're, the keyword for them was aggression. They dialed up a fourth and three play that led to a touchdown. They did a fake punt that was very successful. I mean, this is sort of what Matt Rule, I think, is, is about. He's going to coach in situations. Uh, there was a, play, a point in the game where they kicked an onside kick with 10 minutes to go. That's when you can catch people off guard. Now, you were playing Andy Reid, not Tara Reid, so you didn't catch Andy Reid off guard. But the Panthers come prepared, and I think this is, this is, not, this is a potential trap game scenario for the Bucks. Lose this one, and they're in a bit of hot water. That is the first Tara yeah. Reid reference since 2003. <laughs> And I, just I don't know how say, many reads there are, but she would not be prepared you. for onside kick action, Dan. I'm assuming. I mean, uh, <laughs> was that because Tara Reed and, and Tom Brady, uh, you know, they, they had it going on for a little bit. So it all it all connects. It was a darker period in Tom Brady's personal life. <laughs> the darkest. He was great professionally. It's pretty dark right now because, look, you can break down that game last week. I think we tend to overrate what happened last week in general. Um, but in this case, I don't think we can because they play the Bucks defense. That is a very similar team in the Panthers. The Joe Brady, Teddy Bridgewater offense in so many ways mirrors what the Saints like to do. I think Teddy right now is playing very much like a younger, slightly more mobile uh, Drew Brees, the way that you don't know what's going to come and get you. Uh, that's what surprised me most in that Buccaneers loss. It really wasn't the, the Bucks offense because they've been pretty sporadic all year. Year. They were bad against the Giants. It was the Bucks' defense being so tepid, kind of playing back and waiting to see what the Saints did, and it just didn't work at all. And so seeing a team like that move the ball up and down the field is a big-time concern. And I think Todd Bowles, who gave up a lot of yards in this first matchup when these two teams played, had, has to be concerned. They got turnovers in that game early. They were a little fluky. But I think it's the defense that kind of needs to take charge because Tom Brady in the in the Bucks' offense, I think, has shown they are not a top-five type of offense. Is this a top-five type of defense, Dan? Is it a top five type of defense? Yeah, I think it is. I think people are putting too much into one bad week for the Bucks, And I know I am on a show that it also doubles as the Panthers Teenage Fan Club, and that's good. And you make a good point. Uh, you make a very good point, Please. Greg, about the similarities uh, between what Joe Brady's doing and the Saints are doing. However, I don't think the Bucks are a team that is just going to nosedive here. And I'm actually going to go the other direction and say, I think, you're going to get a very good Bucks team that's angry and annoyed and embarrassed. And I think it's, you're catching, if you're a Panthers fan or you're the Panthers, I think you're catching Tampa at a, at a, at a very bad time and you're catching them mm. probably without Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, all due respect, I loved what the, I loved what Car- Carolina did there in Kansas City and they competed. And if they were a little sharper down at the end of the game, I think they might have even stolen that game. But I think the Buccaneers are more likely to deliver a bounce back performance as an elite team, uh, than continue to go down a wormhole of doom and sadness.
Yeah, I would just say the I, you know I, I if I am a part of a teenage fan club for the Panthers and Matt Rule, then I, you know guilty as charged. That's fine. But I mean, they're hanging around in these games, and I thought that their game plan was really good for Kansas City. They're just well coached, and so I don't see you know this is the thing. They come close every week. You got to get into a situation where you're not lining Joey Sly up for an 80 yard field goal to tie it at the end. I, I hear you on that front. But for year one of this experience, to do what they did to Kansas City, a, a Kansas City team that just blows the doors off of people. Um, I would think that would get on Bruce Arians radar is like we're going to have to come in with a really solid scheme ourselves here. Maybe uh, no doubt. I mean, rematches, I think, favor uh, the better coaching staff. So I think there's an open question. Who's uh, the better coaching staff? But I'm not that worried either. I thought Dan was really building up to something here. I he thought I was up to something. I'm going to do. And uh, and that's lock up the Bucks right now because uh, oh. Tom Brady, he's played so See, I thought you were going to lock up week. the Panthers. You got us all excited that you were going to really hang some onion. No, no. All right. Brady retreating from pressure week after week. That's not going to happen when you play the, the Panthers. They, they barely force any punts. They got no pass rush. And I think that's a, a game Tom Brady can be very comfortable with. All right. Looking forward to that one. That's a good game. Mark, snakes to you in the draft. I mean, look at this. I'm going Chargers at Miami. This is, you know, the one thing is when you have Tua in the league, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Kyler Murray. We're getting these incredible quarterback matchups week after week. And last week, Murray, Tua did not disappoint. Um, I'm even more excited about this one because I think Justin Herbert is one of the most beautiful, pure passers I've watched in decades, it's just incredibly fun to watch him play. And I know all this business about, you know, the Chargers and the last second losses. Uh, Daniel Popper of The Athletic made a great point. He talked about how the sort of Groundhog Day effect that Chargers fans are suffering through. But that in the real movie, Groundhog Day, involving Bill Murray, um, the actual director, now that it seemed like, you know, he solved his problems and went through the same issue over the course of two hours. Good for Bill Murray. But in real life, the film's director said that he thought that that actually lasted 30 to 40 years. So that's concerning for Chargers fans. They got to get out of this funk. And I think with Justin Herbert, you're going to get to the point where you're going to go on a run and win some of these games. My concern here is what we've already talked about on this show, what Brian Flores and his defensive crew are able to do to quarterbacks. They won that last game with five assistant coaches out of the commission because of the corona situation. So they can do it like Belichick's staff with four or five coaches on the whole staff and still make an impact. Can we? Can we put some respect on Harold Ramis's name? He is not just the director yeah. of Groundhog Day. He's Egon I, Spangler. I actually, he's a, he's a legend. People, Rest in peace. Harold Ramis's people told me not to mention his name on NFL <laughs> Network. So you've just created a lot of problems for me, Dan. Uh, yeah. So the, I'm I'm totally I'm totally with you on Herbert. He's so fun to watch and. If you are a fan of a team that's waiting for a quarterback to blossom like me with Sam Darnold or you, Mark, with Baker Mayfield, when you see guys like Justin Herbert who hit the ground running, you're thinking to yourself, oh, we don't have our guy. We got to find one of these guys. We got to keep looking. So, yeah, he's exciting to watch. He's fun to watch. This is a great value pick in the draft, Mark. Uh, and the Dolphins are – this is a great test because I, I put some disrespect on the Dolphins last week. I locked up the Cardinals. And, uh, and listen, Ooh. some of it – 
you're not going to get a defensive touchdown every week. And uh, I think there's a, that's a big reason they why to. they've won each of these last two weeks is because the, the game script changed in an outstanding way for them. Uh, but at the same time, I'm past the point where thinking they're a fluke. I think this has worked out perfectly with Tua, especially coming off that performance uh, in his second start where he did. He has, he has raised the ceiling of this team, and they're not just some plucky underdog. I think they have a chance to actually make noise and even hang in the AFC East race. I mean, the thing is, would you rather take Herbert or Tua long term? I mean, we've only seen eight question, quarters Herbert. from Tua. That's fair. I guess you could base it on the co- – I mean, I'm I'm taking Herbert, and I think Herbert's got more help. It, it's kind of crazy uh, right now. If you look at Tua's situation, they're down to their you know fourth and fifth string running backs. They just lost Preston Williams uh, to an ACL. I think that that's a pretty big loss. It's not like their offensive line uh, is great. The defense is good. And so this game to me comes down to like situational football coaching and special teams. The, the Chargers special team is like the worst running act in the entire league. It's, it's terrible every year. And the Dolphins special teams win them games each and every week. They might be the best special teams in the league, but Herbert's got more support. Joey Bosa looks like he's going to be healthy. That's huge. Brian Bulaga looks like he's going to be back for the Chargers. So I, this was the game I had the hardest time picking because it, all the mojo is for Miami. And yet part of me still thinks like, they're they're skating. They're a little over their skis, and the Chargers are due one of these games. One little thing about Anthony Lynn is punted on fourth and one five times in the last eight Ugh. games. To me, that's just like that's not twenty twenty football. And you have the quarterback and the pieces on offense to attack versus playing Sneak conservative. It. I agree. Sneak I just think it. that's let's just go for it. If you're the Chargers, slay these ghosts through your actions. But I mean, that, they got they have got to go on a run at some point. That's here. what we were talking about on Sunday night when you could say, oh, there's something cosmic going on with the Chargers. Maybe they wouldn't be being put in these positions to get beat in the last second if they were a little more aggressive and and really took the bull by the horns, as they say, earlier in the game. So Anthony Lynn is very make, make no mistake, as, as exciting as they've been, as, as great as Justin Herbert has been, Anthony Lynn is coaching for his job right now. And you might need a win like this or, you know, a few wins like this uh, to be back in 2021. Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Greg, you're up. All right, I'm taking Joey Burrow against these Pittsburgh Steelers. The last time we saw Burrow, he was lighting up the Titans and getting better each and every week. And, you know, when it comes to the AFC North, Mark, I kind of think about you, you know, because I feel like you don't so much root for the Browns as you do just like root against other things that could pain you in the future. So I'm asking you, like, which result would you are you more afraid of basically that that the Bengals Mm. took the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow that's just going to haunt you for the next 15 years and it's going to be better than your number one pick Baker Mayfield or the Pittsburgh Steelers winning another Super Bowl this year with Big Ben a lot of salt in that setup uh, towards there's a there's a lot happening. I mean, it's a no-win situation. Uh, the Steelers winning the Super Bowl, that that pain would be over three months from now. Um, and I think that that's where they're probably heading on some level. I mean, Joey mm. Burrow's going to be around for two decades. So I, you know, if I had to pick a reality, I'd have, you know, have Pittsburgh and win their little trophy and dance around and have a nice time. But uh, Burrow is for real. And, you little know, the Steelers trophy. Have, well, the Steelers have beaten them 13 out of 14 times and 10 times in a row. And that in the, in the two teams from Ohio, 
know this story well about Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And the reason that Burrow's exciting is that he can change all that. This narrative of Cincinnati unable to accomplish anything against its two real rivals. I don't know if Cleveland or Cincinnati have too many rivals at this point, but Pittsburgh has put it to him over and over. And it kind of reminds me of last week where, you know, the Steelers probably would have lost that game in other Mike Tomlin seasons. Uh, they pulled it out. They're a little bit of a different team. But this is a this is a different type of challenge against a team that you've beaten up for years. Steelers are coming off an interesting week. They almost get beat in Dallas by a fourth-string quarterback, but they get the job done. Big Ben injures both his knees, not just one, both his knees, we learned this week. So he's dealing with that. Uh, then he heads to the COVID list for close contact reasoning. It's just been one of those weeks that can only happen in 2020. Uh, but I still, I trust the Steelers. Why Why wouldn't you? I mean, they, they're the only undefeated team in the league. And I think what we've seen week after week with the Bengals this season, with the exception of one week against the Ravens, they're going to hang in games. They're going to give teams scares. Mm. But I don't think they're going to do it to the Steelers at home because I think Pittsburgh knows full well that Cincinnati is no longer this laughing stock that you're going to roll over. And assuming everyone's healthy and able to play, I think Pittsburgh's going to put up a lot of points, and I think they're going to win. Maybe not going away, but I think we're going to get another W with a a schedule that continues to stay pretty soft. Uh, Mercury Morris getting nervous. <laughs> I uh, I looked at this at the weather though little little rain perhaps in the forecast so that makes Joe Mixon's availability important these teams are are kind of similar in some ways that they don't really go deep too much you know Ben Roethlisberger the, has fewer plays over 15 yards than any quarterbacks in the league that don't play in MetLife Stadium it's Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold are the bottom two and then it's Roethlisberger and then Joe Burrow is really interesting because he's a number one overall pick we're so excited about that has a below average you know arm and, and isn't really pushing it down the field he's still got to prove that he can do that and it, it's a fascinating matchup because I don't think you can underscore the the Ben knee factor because he they were already you know somewhat limited as a passing game when he's healthy now he's out of practice all week the Bengals are the best team in the league and I I'm, I got to be careful how I say this Dan I know you like to talk about the desert sometimes mm. they are tied for the best record in the league at beating expectations that's ah. what I'm gonna say. Well put. So they, you know, a lot of people, a lot of doubt on the Bengals this year, but they always keep it close, even if they. I, w- I mean, how about Zach Taylor wins a division game just outright, though? I mean, at some point, <laughs> this has to happen. You've got the quarterback now. Overdue, overdue. Yeah, I'm with you, and I believe the Steelers, believe it or not, are ranked 26th in the league in offense right now. But have you gotten the feel? First of wow. all, they've won every game they played. Number two, most weeks, I don't come out of the game thinking, wow, this is a really bad offense. It, it, no. it more no. seems to me that it's maybe not as explosive as an old Big Ben offense used to be, and you're not seeing, like we predicted, a potential 50-burger, or at least I did last week in Dallas. That didn't happen. So maybe not hitting high levels, but also the, the, the floor is pretty high with this offense to me. It's okay. It's like, is okay going to be enough Good to win it. three playoff games? Uh, I think they're going to need to get better as the season goes along, but they, they have the people to do it. Do you, do you think... They do better than what the desert thinks and actually win a game here. Come on, anybody. I think I think they got a shot. I but I'm you know I, 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 I picked honest- the uh, the Steelers on my game picks column. Check that out. But I, I picked a close game. Put it that. There's way. a little. Um, I really kind of want to lock the Bengals up. But I do. I, I, the only reason <laughs> I'm hanging where I am in this do is it. because do no, it. because in the past, of course you want me to. Because do in it. the past, I would do fall yeah. for these little rushes of emotion, do and it. suddenly Sunday night, you know, I'm, an, I'm in the L column, so I'm staying away. But if they if oh, they handle the business, rush. I might have to lock the Bengals up down the 
down the road. That means nothing. I might rock I know, up the Bengals. I know, it means literally nothing at all. But you know what? I think it works out for Greg and I because if Mark locks up the Steelers, I mean the, the Steelers' opponent and then Pittsburgh wins, Sunday night is not fun for anybody when Sessler's no. in the chair. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, let's just be grateful. That was Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, let's take a break from the draft to dig into the primetime games. We'll start with Sunday night football. Man, you know, Al was so angry. Al Michaels was so angry about the blowout last Sunday night that I, you know, it was almost hard to watch because you could just feel the anger coming off him. And now we get a Ravens-Patriots game, which at least, at least the Patriots found a way to beat the Jets, the lowly Jets on Monday night. So they're not dead in the water by the time they get to Al, Chris, and Michelle. But still, you feel like despite the win, New England could be in a lot of trouble here. Uh, What do you think, Greg? Well, this is this is one for you. It's one for the haters, you know. A toast uh, to you know. Um, I I just you got to enjoy it. Were you about the to Patriots quote Kanye there? Because you can't. I was say about that on to TV. quote our uh, our failed presidential candidate Kanye. Thought better of it, and <laughs> I I think if you're watching this game and you've been rooting against the Patriots like a ghoul, like Dan for all these years, like this like is a Christmas. Hero. Going going to play Baltimore, I know it's in Foxborough, but there's no home field advantage anymore. Home teams have a losing record this year across the NFL, and, and the Patriots are going to add to it because Cam Newton might be playing better, and Cam Newton might be fine. Their run game might be fine. This is a brutal matchup. You can't run on the Ravens. The blitz is going to get to Cam Newton, and it, the offense is not the point in uh, New England. It's the defense. It's the defense that is least capable of stopping this Baltimore rushing attack. Do you remember last year when everyone thought the Patriots were one of the best defenses of all time? They were all, all always a little overcooked there. The Patriots ran all over them then. They're, they're, this is the 31st best defense in the league right now, according to DVOA, and they have no talent up front. I would expect the Ravens to run for about 400 yards in this game in a blowout. 400! Right? Uh, it's been a weird couple of weeks for the Ravens, though. You had Marquise Hollywood-Brown complaining about the aerial game a couple weeks ago. And then dropping uh, a pass know, last week, so let's dropping not complain a pass. if we're not going to make plays. Sure, but we have Lamar Jackson on the Rich Eisen show basically saying the teams are calling our plays out before we before we snap the it's ball. Um, there's just frustration, and I— and you know, I you know, I'm someone that I've always been a Greg Roman guy. We once, um, as you know, we shared a pizza at the airport after the combine. I was, you know, wait, that, now you quick... shared a pizza? That was not yeah. how the story originally I had went. A, I had a piece of his pizza because he was, you know, he couldn't eat the whole thing. He didn't want the whole thing, so he said, "Do you want a piece?" So I had a piece. But uh, my thing with Greg Roman, a little bit, it know. seems like at every stop, <laughs> like he starts out taking over the league. Like with the Niners, they do 14, 15 formations at once. It was amazing. Uh, Baltimore, revolutionary. But year two, year three, things start to change a little bit. I'm a little concerned about this Ravens. Maybe not in this game, but holistically, who are they this year? You know, I don't care about anything else. I just want to talk about you eating the leftovers of the offensive coordinator of the Ravens. I mean, it, w- it wasn't Wait, in like, a refrigerator he piece? overnight. Like he gave you half a piece? We, like we he, had a the, the crust was bitten off? No, no, no. We had a wonderful conversation. Um, he actually told me a couple things about the Niners that um, got on my radar. Nice guy. And then he said, look it, I can't eat this whole pizza. They make you order text? a whole thing. Do you and still so, text them every once in a while? Not recently. I mean, it, I would say the, the, okay. the relationship feels, you know, slightly one-sided. But um, I'm sure he's happy it. talking about this, that this is on television right now. Listen, yeah, he loves I, I want to bring up, since you brought up the desert, uh, that the people in the desert for the first time, and it's got to be in 20 years, uh, think that the Patriots can't even 
keep this within a touchdown. That at, in their building, I, that that has not happened since the '90s or maybe 2000. So things have obviously changed. No one is no one that follows the sport closely was tricked uh, by that win over the Jets. So I, yes, if you want to say that the ghouls that have been waiting for the Patriots to lose get a chance to celebrate, okay. But let's not totally overlook the fact fact, and I know we have it in some of our conversation here, although it's been mostly Greg Roman pizza-based, uh, that the Baltimore Ravens are still dysfunctional on offense. So, it, going on the road in Wait. prime time, do I, would I be totally stunned if the Patriots are hanging around in this game because they're well-coached and well-prepared and, and make a couple plays? No. I'm not, I'm not like, getting ready for I a would. party. I mean, okay. you say dysfunctional. They... It's funny how the bar changed, and I get it. They're coming off a historic season. They're number one in the league in rushing. Lamar Jackson is still the best running quarterback of all time, and they still have a great running game, and they're playing a team that can't stop anyone on the run. I mean, they make Zach Moss look like Walter Payton. So the matchup is perfect, and I'm not that worried about the Ravens. I think if I was doing the power rankings, Dan, I'm not trying to come you know, for your spot here. I would have the Ravens number two. To me, they're still the second-best team in the league because they can run the ball. They're a great defense. They have Lamar Jackson, and everyone else I can poke a few more holes in. So the, the Steelers going to their building two weeks ago, and beating the Ravens, the Ravens dominated that game. I mean, I know they lost it. it. It's significant, but to me, that if anything, that game made me feel more uh, felt me, made me feel better about the Ravens than almost any game because they made the Steelers look like their little little brothers for a to while. To your and point, Lamar Craig, made some turnovers. To your point, in the second half against the Colts, they were dominated in the first half, and we all know fifty five yards, but. They played with tempo and pace a bunch down the stretch in the second half, and they looked a lot better. It might have been the best half that Lamar Jackson has had, I think, through was 10, 10 straight completions through the air. So I'm, I don't, I'm not selling them short or anything. I just think that they're not last year's Ravens. They have a little bit of things to work out. When the players start talking, it, that's, yep. you know, that's a bit of a different uh, aura than last season. It, I find it weird that there's a lot of uh, excuse-making on Lamar Jackson's part in the national media. I just think call call it what it is, which is they maybe they're not dysfunctional as a whole, but as a passing game offense, they haven't been right this year. Right, but you said dysfunctional as an offense. He is the key to the best rushing attack in the league. If you it depends on how you want to measure it, maybe one of the best one or two, but in total yards they're the best. Their offensive line is by far to me their biggest concern. Because they lost Marshall Yonda, a future Hall of Famer. They're totally banged up. They were struggling before uh, they lost Ronnie Stanley. It's, they lead the league in negative plays, which is a sign of a bad offensive line. And I think when they play better teams, that's going to hurt them. They're not playing one of them this week. All right, let's move on to the other primetime uh, game this week. It is Monday Night Football, an NFC North battle between the Vikings and the Bears and seems like two teams going in opposite directions and you said it Greg and it's true and it's a crazy stat and it's totally connected to the COVID-19 world that we uh, live in right now that there is no home field bump in the NFL right now so even if, if this was any other year I'd say I know the Bears are you know they're on a three game losing streak and they're now that this is an offense that is dysfunctional we could all agree on that but you're in this island game. The lights are up. You have 65,000 fans going nuts. Maybe they find a way to keep their season in decent shape. But I don't. I just don't see it. I think the Bears are one of those teams that no one bought into them off the 5-1 and one start. And usually when we all, uh, the football cognizante, 
when we all decide that a team is done, they make us all look dumb, but not with the Bears. They they have absolutely played to what we all expected. They're going in one direction. And the Vikings, Mark, this is a team going in the opposite direction where Dalvin Cook is an MVP-level player right now, uh, back-to-back 200-yard games from scrimmage, four games this season already where he's had at least two touchdowns in a game, and Kirk Cousins is playing a lot better as well uh, because his running back is a super-duper star. Yeah, I mean, my one concern, and you know, Chicago still has that defensive strength, and they have held Cook to 86 yards rushing in his past three games against Chicago. So it's sometimes, you know, you, you can forget the past, but because he's playing like a completely different type of human being, he's the best running back in the league right now. So you'd like to think on prime time, uh, they're going to figure that out and get him yards and get him yards through the air as well. Kirk Cousins has thrown 34 passes over the last two games. That's how I like Kirk Cousins. We don't need too mm. much of him. This offense is functional because they want to be a run-first attack. I'll tell you what, I'm a little suspect about this, but I'm going to do it because I have changed. I've, tra- I've turned the tide on the Vikings. I think they're going to oh, hang around until December. Look at you. I'm going to lock them up because of my lack of belief in the Bears to some degree as well. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's that, that wasn't daring, a confident was one. I think you should have gone Bengals. I hope you know. Don't. I know you think I should have. Uh, don't you don't switch out of it, but you know Kirk Cousins has never beaten this Bears team. I do think division matchups are <laughs> instructive, at least that Matt Nagy uh, has owned Mike Zimmer for whatever reason. It's mostly oh, no, been the Bears defense, of course. Did you just lock up uh, Kirk yeah. Cousins in prime time? <laughs> I did. I did. You, you know, know what? Though? Look at it's a new day. It's a new era. I don't know. They they changed Maybe. what they did coming out of the bye. So yes, Dalvin Cook is obviously the key to it but one thing they've done is they've stopped throwing deep so much but they have thrown a ton on first downs even though they're so run heavy they've actually flipped the script where Kirk Cousins is throwing a lot on first downs that's the best down to throw on of course with play action they've been very effective and the defense has changed what they've done too that the matchups have helped but they're playing a little more cover too they're less aggressive they're just trying to kind of you know prevent the big play keep the offense in the game because it's an offense first team they are third in the league since week three the vikings in expected points uh on offense uh, and that that's pretty impressive i mean they they are a very good run game they they are great when the kirk cousins doesn't make a mistake i'm excited to root against kirk cousins though in prime time now <laughs> that you uh, locked <laughs> oh, him up there mark oh greg yeah. i mean I, I if anything greg i can you can feel me you know i'm on your heels I'm only one yeah, game behind okay, oh, you, no so doubt. I'm right inside no the Greg Rosenthal mind, and that's where I want to be. In his I mind. Uh, in his mind. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is – he's funny because everybody likes that fun uh, with Kirk Cousins, and, and we're, we're doing that as well right now with his issues when it comes to uh, playing at nighttime in primetime. But I will say that he's not a quarterback you have to hide either. I know he was really bad for a stretch this season, but Kirk Cousins is pretty good. He's he's maybe never going to be great, and he's probably never going to be hoisting a little trophy, as, as Mark called it earlier today. Uh, he's probably not going to be that guy, but he's pretty good too. That's why he got paid $30-plus million a year. So I think the way they are now and why that number doesn't surprise me and why I thought earlier in the season that the Vikings were going to be good is because it's all there on offense. I know you lost Stefan Diggs, but now you have Justin Jefferson in there and he's stepped in and become a Pro Bowl level player. It's all there for them to be a top five offense and we've been seeing it for the last couple of weeks. So I, I like the Vikings in this game. I'm with you, Mark. I just couldn't lock it because, I don't know, weird things happen. 
Weird things happen That's with fair. Kirk Cousins in prime time. I'm, I'm already concerned with my decision, which is usually not a great um, a great look. All right, let's move on. The old Zeuser. You know, when you pick first overall, it's a little bit of a drag because you have to wait a long time for your next pick. I will uh, pick another late game here. Uh, the Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. I am into the Raiders. I'm in. They've crashed to the top 10 of the power rankings for the first time in my two years uh, on that beat. And I'm, it's it's for reasons that go beyond uh, surface stuff like, oh, John Gruden's cool, and oh, they're in Vegas now. It's because the team's identity is different. It's not it's not the Raiders that I believe were 7-5 and five last year and then trailed off down the stretch. I think this is just a better all-around team, and it, it, that's especially so on offense where what we've seen – the book on Derek, Derek Carr, he doesn't like uh, to throw downfield. He looks immediately to his check down whenever possible. And we're not seeing that as much right now. I like Nelson Aguilar, what he brings to this offense. How about that for a pickup by Mike Mayock? He's given a, a downfield element. Hunter Renfro, who Greg doubted uh, initially in his career, he's become a nice little um, complimentary player in the slot. Henry Ruggs is a future star, and you see it. Uh, he's having a more customary type season. We're, we're starting to get used to this world where guys hit the ground running as superstars. Uh, but what we're seeing with Ruggs, like he's dropping some breadcrumbs and then he's going to, I think, explode a little later, maybe next season. Uh, and then you have Darren Waller, of course, and a running game that they move the ball and they could beat you up. So I like the Raiders and the, Bron- the Broncos. I don't like the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I don't like. So that's, that's why I feel very good about the Raiders in this game because the Broncos are making things look uh, better with fourth quarter rallies. But I think the Raiders are just an all around a stronger team. Ugh. I like the Raiders sort of showing us that they can win different types of games. Uh, they can win the nail biter last week where they've got to keep up and, and also, you know, basically take charge in a, in a higher scoring game. Um, they win into Cleveland and I thought that was more of a John Gruden type game than some would say, where I know they didn't, you know, it was terrible weather. Uh, the air attack was uh, muted to some degree. I think Gruden would happily pound people with the run game all day long. And Josh Jacobs showed up that day. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, it's interesting. He's third in rushing, but 44th in yards per carry. So it's not quite the Josh Jacobs experience from last year, but he stepped up in a couple big operations. Um, I'm with you, Dan, that I'm my, if I were to rank these AFC teams, Right now, the Raiders, to me, barring some sort of collapse in their defense is a question, they're a legit wild card team that I think could win a playoff game. They've beaten the Chiefs, so I don't know what other questions uh, would linger about their potential ceiling. Yeah, I I, uh, I thought about locking this game for the Raiders, too. I, I didn't. I, I do expect them to win. It'd be more of a, uh, a pick against the Broncos, though, because the Broncos are just showing you very little. Um, I don't give them any credit for the for last week's garbage time um, stuff. Drew Lock didn't even really play that well uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, he had that terrible interception. They had they had a turnover on downs during that comeback. It was really about the Falcons' offense uh, retreating into a shell and giving them chance after chance. And they just haven't moved the ball. Like they're a great collection of talent, and I I was so high on them. Uh, I'm starting to give up the ghost a, a little bit. They lose uh, Okui Boonham, who I loved. Uh, to a torn ACL, so he's out for the year. And you see, you see the individual talent like Jerry Judy's popping. Love, love what he showed last week. KJ Hamler's good, but Locke just has that thing that maybe Derek Carr had early on in his career, where he's just re- he's just 
scrambling at the first sign of pressure, rolling to his right, a little bit of Baker Mayfield 2019 disease. And then after that, it's just like anyone's guess what's going to happen next. His mechanics seem a little bit off. He does that thing where he takes a snap and he just starts going backwards and backwards and backwards. Uh, So that gets on your radar a little bit. Uh, You mentioned the tight end going down and you did a nice job with his name. So I'll just call him Albert. Uh, His ACL tear, he is the 17th. Denver player put on the IR, either boomerang wow. IR, three week IR. Mm-hmm. Is there boomerang IR this year? Or is it just? I mean, it's all, yeah, it's all like three week IRs. Yeah, um, very flexible. Yeah. And uh, Greg, I had not announced that I have locked up uh, the Raiders, but I will be locked up the Raiders. They are my selection. Uh, I'm going to get behind this team while also uh, I like it. Just twist the night a little bit on all those Broncos fans that think I hate your team. I I don't like your, this particular team. The franchise is fine. Elway, you know, I just like the twist it on Elway. That guy's had everything his whole life uh, fall to him. So now he's got to deal with a little bit of adversity. So I mean, I'm he has for coronavirus that. right now. But other than that, you're right. It's like, it's been, you know, it's true. <laughs> all right. got a man with the Rona. Did you just hit me with a little COVID-19 shame? All right, I'll take it. Well, I, you know, that uh, wasn't my intent, it. but it's factual. And we're, you know, we are, we're journalists and reporters here. That this is a, a fork in the road game, though. This is a or a fork like I'm going to fork you if you lose game when it comes to the Broncos. Because if you are one of those Broncos homers, you can look at their schedule and still say like, well, if they win this game and then they got to I forget, you know, they have a pretty easy schedule moving forward. It's like they can get in the mix. So this is it. Like this is their last stand. I thought one one of the reasons they were so bad defensively last week was AJ Boye and Bryce Callahan, their two best cornerbacks, were both out, and they're both back for this week. So I think that makes their defense more competent. But they haven't they haven't showed me much. I'm mad. Like you know, you put yourself out there as a, a team that you believe in, and they, and they, and they turn your back on you. I'm stupid. I mean, Greg, you you are you are someone that I am surprised put a ton of faith into a Pat Shermer uh, led offense. I mean, that that's my one also, concern was not not being the sum of your parts. That's a Pat Shermer staple. Isn't it also funny, uh, Mark, that Greg described what it's like to be an actual fan of like a, a normal franchise or a struggling franchise? That's what it's like to be a Jets fan or a, or okay. a Browns fan. You put your faith in them and then they turn their back on you. As a Patriots yeah, yeah. fan, you haven't had much of that for half of your life, but it's coming. In fact, it's here. It's here. Uh, now. I mean, so, I don't have any faith in them, but yes. All right. Uh, I It snakes to me. And Mark, uh, I'm not going to do it to you because I think I did it to you last week. I'm not going to take the Browns again, although I think they're the best game on the board at this point, but I'm going to leave it to you because I know they're special. Uh, they're, they're your special little flower. So I'm going to stay out of that realm. And, oh, pickings are slim. So let me go and get. Uh, There's some rough games. Let me check in on this NFC East dump, dumpster fire. How about that? Philadelphia Eagles at New York Giants. The Giants are two and seven. But guess what, boys? If they win this game, they are a half game out in the NFC East. That's where we're at. This is this is an, a historic uh, dumpster fire situation. And uh, you know, I, I as I often do on this podcast, I think back to life and growing up in the coal town. And uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, my mom would take my sister and my brother and myself to church and we'd go to St. Margaret's and uh, we'd go through mass. And that was, you know, it's tough to get through a 45 minute mass when you're a seven year old boy and you know, there's sports and football to come. So after church, we would go uh, drive from St. Margaret's down to Cardine place to my grandparents' house. And there's Poppy 
you know where to find Poppy. It's 1 p.m. on Sunday. He's sitting in the big brown chair. And he's got his pretzels <laughs> and he's got his he had like a big handle of root beer that he used to drink. And it was eventually had to be moved to diet root beer. Uh, and that mm. would be his spot for eight hours. And you know what? It, he was a Giants fan. Poppy, rest in peace. And when the Giants and Eagles were playing back in the 80s when I was growing up, it was Bill Parcells and it was Buddy Ryan. And maybe if it was another NFC East game, it would be Joe Gibbs would be involved. Uh, you know, you had the Cowboys. I mean, you had uh, Landry in the final years. It was a great place. So we're not there now. We're in a dark place for the NFC East. But I'm just going to watch it and think about when times were better. Mm. I'm going to think about the good old days. Bob Glauber, our good friend from Newsday, he wrote a great book about the NFC East. The good old days. We're not there. These are the bad old days. This is when a 2-17 and in the middle of November can win and be a half game out of first. Wow. <laughs> this is, this is um, yeah, it's tough to top, tough to follow that. You're thinking back to then. I'm thinking way back to two games ago for the Eagles. <laughs> Do you remember back then when they played the Giants? Wow, the, to get this matchup twice in three games for the Eagles, uh, I thought it was the game that might turn their season around, and we'll see. Maybe it has. You know, they they look terrible play, beating the Cowboys a week later. Then they have a bye. Now they get Lane Johnson back. They get Miles Sanders back. I mean, th- those are significant uh, players for them to get back onto the field. Just make it easy on yourself. Win a game. Show your talent because – the, 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 the NFC East doesn't have to be like this. The Eagles can still be frisky. Uh, you know, as a wise woman once said, be best, you know, be, be your best self. You know, that, I don't know if that really took Maya hold. Angela? No. Um, if you don't know, you know, you don't. But uh, there are those nice Easter there. egg. I it certainly was, have no idea who you're talking about. It was, um, you know, it was, it was a really it was a national platform. Um, to just be best. And what is it what like? It's like probably like Tina Cash or like Tina Hot Loot, like some sort of singer that you're into. <laughs> our our, uh, our listeners will absolutely I'm, know. I'm so sure they'll know. Because the only thing that the Giants do well right now is they've actually established a little bit of an identity. Is there any other code them. you'd like to speak in during the show? <laughs> I bet Ricky would know it. I bet Ricky would know. Because I have no idea what you're talking really? about. I mean, it came from our highest levels of government. That's that's all. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I'm teasing this out. <laughs> Greg, really connecting with the audience on that yeah, one. If you um, just let it, if you just let it go, then it would have been. It I couldn't. Been nice you you dropped too many like uh, curiosity breadcrumbs. I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. I had to ask. I questions. mean, this is it. This is it for the Giants, though. They win this. They're in the race. They lose. It's over. They got a nice little power running game lately. They actually are changing as this, as the season's going along. You somehow found a way to top Dan's uh, beautiful n- nostalgia dips <laughs> NFC East. Uh, Dan, I grew up in the same world as you, watching the the Giants and sometimes the Jets. But yes, the shine is off. But I do think that there is incredible interest around this stretch for Carson Wentz between now and next season. He used a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, and if this thing continues to nosedive, I mean, it's going to be a rough off season on Philadelphia sports talk radio. Uh, but you got the Giants; they play Washington and Dallas. All three of those should be considered winnable games. Washington, to me, seems like the biggest challenge of that group uh, because of their defense. You win that and you're in the playoffs, essentially, barring like mathematical nightmares. Um, but I'm with you, Greg. Like this Giants team, this is not, and I don't want to keep dropping A-bombs on Pat Shermer and previous Giants coaches, but 
They have a different feel to me. They're spicier. Their situational football is a little bit different. Their defense is rising up. So the game is intriguing on that front. I would rather actually see the Giants sneak into the playoffs than the Eagles, basically for the reasons that Dan mentioned about childhood, um, not logical ones. <laughs> yeah, I guess the Joe Judge thing, the defense has improved. There's no doubt about that, especially where where we were, you know, how we were talking about them entering week one is like name one guy that can do anything on this defense. And, you know, they they've been able to uh, they've been able to have a good season. They had some nice pickups. James Bradbury, Leonard Williams, although is still, you know, pretty high price tag. And also the he's giving up great, around Lenny, pick, he's, he's having he's a nice year well. yeah. for them. I don't know if they're going to give him a huge contract, but he's played well this season. Definitely better than he played with the Jets, it's it's so weird with Wentz, and we we'll move on because we I know we spoke with Bo Wolf at at at, at length about Carson Wentz and the Eagles on Tuesday show. Please check that out. Uh, I actually it's gotten to the point where I went on SpotRack.com and looked out when the Eagles can get out of this Carson Wentz contract. That's how bad it's been this year. Potential out in 2022. So yep. uh, Jalen Hurts is on the roster. Obviously, we'll see where it all plays out uh, in Philadelphia. But it's been a strange season. Greg, you're up in the draft. Ooh, all right. I'm going to take uh, the Lions versus the Washington football team. And uh, I am excited for this game because of Alex Smith, because of what I saw last week. I think the coverage around Alex Smith has been understandably like in awe of what he's done. But there's like a little bit of condescension that's that's come with it of like we're all just afraid he's going to get hurt and like what a nice job that you returned almost like he didn't like earn his spot back on the team. And look, he has a guaranteed contract that I think played a a big factor uh, into that. I watched him last week and you know what he looked like? He looked like I would expect Alex Smith to look at 36, which is an NFL quarterback that I think would be in the end that I think would have a job. Now he'd be a backup like, but that's what I would like a guy who can come in as a backup um, make the right decisions in terms of your offense, make some good plays, make some bad plays at the end when you absolutely need a touchdown and, and get picked off. That that happened too, but he moved the ball pretty efficiently, and I was like, this might not be it for Alex Smith. He might be in the league another couple of years if he wants to go the Josh McCown uh, mentor and breaking class you know, in case of emergency type of route. And you know what would make this comeback story even better is a win. This is a very winnable game, I think, for Washington. Their defense can can do some damage. And uh, I think Washington could could move the ball, and I think they could get a win. I'd love to see Alex Smith get a win. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like any time anyone faces Detroit, you'd have to say this could be a win because right. um, they've not built any. We you know, and I, it's, it becomes trite and tired to say this stuff, but I, I mean, they feel like kind of most people um, I knew or myself in your twenties, where you kind of give yourself look like the next five or six years, I'm just gonna like discover who I am and put in a lot of like self-care and self-exploration. And, you know, I'm not sure what I'm about or what I'm going to do. It's like lions. That's cool. That this you feel feels personal. No, yeah, I mean, the, like your, your time, but I, I mean, mean I, but I, enjoy, I look back and it. I enjoyed that time and I hope that it amounted to something. I yeah, mean, but then why mean, did you do your voice when you mimic someone you have this voice and you're like, Oh, Twitter, middle school, or Ooh, you're 20 and finding well, yourself. First of all, Twitter, middle school. I am a part of that middle school. So I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm looking through the window. I'm in that school and equally annoying at times, but I find it an annoying environment. Um, the lions I find highly annoying. Do I need to defend that to anyone? I mean, the, you know, it's and I love That's Matthew Stafford. Sad. Lines are just kind of depressing to me. They're more depressing, than and it's like it get. It's like you know what? It's late November. It, it becomes 
for me, a, a chore just to keep dumping on some of these teams like the Bears and the Lions. It's like, we get it. I am very close to just simply saying goodbye to you for this year. And I, I don't feel bad about doing that. Time of year. Teams. It is that time, time of year. I thought you were wait a second. Goodbye. Wait a second. They've annoyed you, me because I was trying to Weren't you just on the get, burrow? Well, no. You remember, were on I was, the bandwagon. You got off the bandwagon. You hopped right. on the burrow and you were chasing after the bandwagon. You said you got back on. Are you back off again? I got in, I got in the bandwagon. And remember, I was stuck in the back with the, you know, all the, all the people like, you know, we couldn't get nice seats. I saw Mina Kimes up in the first uh, class area with a nice cocktail and like having a wonderful discussion with the, you know, the driver of the vehicle. I'm in the back. I've got like I'm sitting next to a horse. Um, I jumped off that thing and I'm walking back home and I'm a little annoyed by the entire experience. I fell for this um, like a Christ. complete rube in August. I'm out. All right. Someone answer me this. What? I know Alex Smith is an incredible football story, but where is Dwayne Haskins? Very weird. Smith is an incredible comeback story. He's what he is. He almost died. He almost suffered an injury on a football field that killed him. Uh, and he was able to make it back. And his leg is not the same leg it was. It's a miracle of science as much as it is a uh, human spirit, but he's 36. And he's much closer to just being a Josh McCown type mentor figure in the NFL than being a guy that, uh, can lead a team. Are you really cashing out your chips on Haskins to the point where in this season, where you're obviously not winning a Super Bowl, but somehow you're in the mix in the NFC East to just get one last look at this guy before you completely kiss him off? Is it? Is there? Trying, I think they think that Alex Smith gives him a better chance to win the division. I understand and then that. Go back to Haskins when they have to, and they've already given up on Haskins on some level. Like it seems personal, you know, the way that they've talked about it. It seems personal. They didn't draft him, and uh, well, that, I think that. there's a little bit more, and I think it's going to come out because usually these things do. Uh, with Haskins maybe behind the scenes, and there were whispers that he's not a guy who's been working hard enough. There's got to be a little bit more to the story to to really explain how deep in the dog doghouse he got. Rivera said this week that Haskins can learn what it means to be a real NFL starter, right? By watching Alex Smith, so like, it's not a fit, but but it is it is an outlier to your point, Dan. A 15th overall pick to be treated this way in year two. No, no, I'm washing not, their hands of them. It sounds like. exactly, but it's like, right. like the, like, you know, and, and I feel bad for these quarterbacks to come in regime change and Ron Rivera probably would be happier even in this off season, um, signing a veteran he trusts. He just seems like a dude that wants veteran leadership at quarterback versus experimentally working with a young guy. And Haskins probably did himself no favors, but it's an outlier in terms of how he's being treated. When he missed the when he missed his first victory kneel down taking selfies with fans, I guess that that was when it was over. Let's let's just face it, uh, in Washington. All right, up next, Mark. All right, well, you know this this will come as no surprise. Um, uh, thank you, Dan and and Greg by uh, by proxy for leaving Houston at Cleveland out there in the open. I mean, uh, that was the big solid. I got to tell you, Mark, I didn't have to do it, and I did. Uh, and it was out of respect and love for you. No, it's no, honestly, I'll spend the entire weekend um, <laughs> thinking about this act of kindness that you've uh, bestowed on me. I, I want to see what this Browns team can do because this game, like this game scares me because I, I, I kind of felt like Cleveland made it very clear what they are, not just with the Baltimore and Pittsburgh games, 
But losing to the losing to the Raiders in Cleveland in terrible weather, they were really banged up. They've been really banged up. Like, you know, I also give them credit for hanging around with no Nick Chubb, uh, with Wyatt Teller, their star guard out of the mix. Austin Hooper's been gone. Um, they've had defensive guys in and out of the lineup. Their defense is a lost cause. And, and when Miles Garrett wow. is lost, no, I think it is. I mean, it's you're going to score 25, 30 points on him every week. When Miles Garrett was not on the field for, during long portions of that Raiders game, I mean, you, they they be, they became what they were. They're not more the banged up than average, though. I mean, they, no, you're not. You're right. They are, but for this year, that's sort of normal. Like for me, I think they were too. they were like a C minus, um, D D plus. If D plus is still a grade, um, defense, and then D when plus they lost, is definitely still a grade. That's sixty seven to sixty nine. I know, but that feels. That feels like a slap in the face of a child. I don't know what you're saying. What is the plus to it's getting? The, it's, it's known as the gentleman's F. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how many of those people turn out to be gentlemen either. But um, that's a whole different conversation. No, it's the structure of the grading. It's not a reflection of whoever gets the grade. It's just right. like the gentleman's F is a D. But there are right, but that that also is a, a phrasing from like the seventies. There are no gentlemen anymore. Anyways, Cleveland, like you're you're getting Nick what? Chubb back. Come on, I'm saying I need the Browns to take care of business here against a yeah, bad Texans go, defense. Mark. Lock but it up. You no, you I'm not locking it up. I already locked up another team. But I'll say this: Deshaun Watson um, scares the life out of you if you have to go up. I think he's playing as well as he has ever played. Uh, Will Fuller, after a week of you know trade gossip, came out and flamed the Jaguars, which, I mean, I think the three of us could probably put up 120 yards as a, as a trio against the Jaguars' defense. But still, um, you could do that against Cleveland too. So I, this is a trap mm. game in every sense of the word. And if Cleveland wants to be taken seriously with the Raiders and with, frankly, even like the Dolphins, some of these other five-and-three type teams – you got to take care of business here and take care of it decisively. I mean, these teams aren't, they're not, it, to me, it's not a trap game because they're even. Like, well, record wise, I, I know, mean, I know, but no one, well. I, I think if you've watched both these teams this year, you think they're about even. And, and like I checked out like the EPA per play, that, you know, Texans are ahead of, you know, the Browns in terms of that. They're ahead of them in terms of DVOA. And that doesn't surprise me. Because I, I just think they're they're close. The Texans have faced the hardest schedule in the league, and they find a way to lose close games. And the Browns have won some close games. I think they have a better situational coaching staff. I think they've got a little more, um, you know, mojo in the bank right now. And that's why I trust – like, I picked them to win this game in a close game. But it's not an uneven matchup, to your point. We're kind of burying the lead, though. You know, the undercard here is the Duke Johnson revenge game. Uh, no, you know, as a primary guy, this is uh, this, this give, is getting so much attention. Like and then, Johnson is rushing for like two point eight yards per carry. Better. Thought he looked okay last week. Now he's going to make the Browns pay for for benching. But more importantly, it's the Jack Easterby versus Sessler game. This guy, Ooh. this guy took over in Houston. He infuriated Mark so much that um, you know maybe some shadowy league figures even noticed how obsessed Mark. Yes, yeah, the shackles on Sessler. They and, did. Yeah. Um, and Brent, then for me. he's back in the news this week because, you know, we got J.J. Watt and like Deshaun Watson talking on SportsCenter about how mad they are essentially at Easterby for firing uh, a, an award-winning PR director that everyone loved, the only uh, woman uh, PR director in the league. So if the Texans were looking for like a little more bad PR this year, Easterby gave it to him. Well, they Come found on, a way. What? Let your pride take over like Bill Simmons attacking Goodell on uh, ESPN. <laughs> just go, just fire with two barrels. 
No, because I, I like, well, I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, I feel like I've said a lot. I think that I think that this time around, I don't need to say anything. Now the players are doing it for you. Right. The, 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 like to, and to fire, you know, Amy over what they called, you know, a cult, non-cultural fit um, and to see the response that came out from every corner of journalist world. Because, you know, when you have to work on these stories or, or deal with these teams, not all PR staffs are created equal. And when you have a bad experience, we've all had that if you've tried to write features and stuff, um, it makes life real difficult. And when someone goes out of their way and does a great job, like it puts a great face on the organization and it put a great face on the text for a TV lot of people. Be, he wasn't, well, a, he was ferreting out the enemies and he, he I mean, thought he found one. The Dwayne Haskins novella, like that sticks on the shelf. I want to read this novella when we find out what's going on here. When you get to, when you irritate JJ Watt, um, we know this, uh, it's not good for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, save that for the memoirs also. Uh, yes. Bad optics for the Texans. Mark, here's a stat from the NFL media research team. Cleveland has either scored 30 plus points or seven or fewer points in every game this season, five and zero oh, when they score big zero oh and three, when they dry up on offense, they are the picture of a hot and cold team. But however, this post by schedule shapes up nice for you, buddy. Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, the next three weeks, oh just be, God. just be, just be okay. You should be they okay. You hard. should be playing relevant December hard. football. They got to win those. If they, they can win two out of three, that's fine. Win all three because it gets tough in right. December. Right. No, it's we, I, what we've seen, know. though. What we've seen is that they are hot and cold. So I don't think they'll win all three. You never know. But even if they win two of three, man, you're seven and four in December and you, you with an expanded playoffs. All right. It's going to be a fun uh, final month of the year. It's hopefully. Like Brian Hoyer and Cleveland Memorial record seven and four right before the, I, the thank you, Greg, because <laughs> like I, I just feel no, um, I think younger fans of any of these teams that have gone through like, you know, what we've been through, Dan and not, you know, listeners are like, would you two please shut up about this? But, um, you know, they have more optimism. I just, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and the, to drop on my head from the top of a building. So That's understandable. We'll All right. It's snakes to you. Well, it's snakes to me, so I guess I will go. I mean, I, how many high octane games do I need here? Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Jacksonville at Green Bay. Well, we've reached the pr- part of the proceedings for the games that are getting shipped to Shook, so don't get stressed out about this. Well, Shook will go Jacksonville Green Bay. Okay, how about go. that? This could um, be the blowout of the year. It's I actually, I'm just going to start this with a question for you, Dan, because you know, having watched uh, Jake Luton uh, in his. Well, I, I, I was impressed. And I, number one, I like, I read all these scouting reports where he is, you know, game manager, like, okay, arm, but I think he throws a nice ball, um, deep. And he, I know he made a few mistakes, but I am refusing just to sign up for these late round quarterbacks at this point because I think it's just part of a larger sham where they're, they're going to try to go. What is it? Luton City? Well, that's what Lutanity. I'm asking. Dan, you started that fit. When you start a fan club for these fringe players, yes. it takes a lot of um, dedication. Uh, it can't yeah. be just, you know, it's not just you're not riding a rainbow. You've got to you've got to dig in for the tough times, the positive times. And be, you have to be the guiding force. I have not yeah. heard a word, seen a tweet, um, not even a shred of publicity around this fan club. It does. It still exist. Um. Yes, absolutely. Now, if absolutely. you're a listener of this show, you know the old Zeuser was a bit of an act of subversion uh, to start off this fan club because Mark is obsessed with anyone drafted outside the sixth round uh, that's a quarterback. <laughs> so I wanted to beat him to the punch, and I did with Jake Lutonity. And I, uh, you know, the thing started off incredibly with a 70-yard touchdown. 
uh, a little hot and cold. But that's what usually I think it's a Tom Brady disease where we expect these guys. Usually these guys fall late in drafts for a reason. They're limited uh, physically in many cases. And uh, it means they're going to get exposed eventually in the NFL. So I am I'm more about this is where I'm at. Honestly, my team is 0-9. The Jaguars are 1-8, right? Is that where they are right now? 1-7, 1-8? They're going to have the tiebreaker because they have an easier schedule than the Jets. They're 1-7 right now. Uh, so I need the I need Lutanity. I need Minshew. I need one of the one of these guys to have one of those scrappy games that gets the Sesslers of the world excited and steal a game or two to get the Jaguars out of the mix because this feels to me like a team in a state of suspended animation mm. where they don't have their head coach in the building, they don't have their 2021 quarterback, and I don't want them to flame out to one and fifteen because that makes the Jets have to go winless uh, to get the number one overall pick, which I don't want. And they have the toughest schedule in the league uh, coming up. They, I think the only team they play with a losing record the rest of the season is the Vikings, who is probably the best team that has a, currently has a losing record. You no, know, so, I didn't think about that, though, Greg. Could the, I guess they conceivably could catch the Jets with the strength of schedule. That could, they both have yeah, the same yeah, it's, it's early to project. That schedule's that. no picnic either, by it, the way. It, yeah, it can change, no. it can change a lot. Um, on paper, you would think, well, maybe this would be a game that they could do some damage. James Robinson against this Packers rush defense. Jair Alexander's the key to the Packers defense. He's been out of practice Wednesday and Thursday. We don't know uh, what his status is going to be, but, you know, he, he would be able to shut down DJ Shark. If not, you know, you got Miles Jack back. He makes a big difference. An all-pro type of uh, season out of Miles Jack. There's something for the Jaguars. Uh, but otherwise, uh, feels like it's a, a steam train for your boy, Aaron Rodgers. And it really is starting to look like you might get those sandwiches for him making all pro. That means he has to be a top two quarterback. I did notice how no one out of 30 voters predicted Rodgers would win the MVP on NFL.com. I mean, I was part of that, but I was like, wow. Like half of the people went Mahomes, half went Wilson, and uh, the car contingent went Carr. Wilson had those has had two messy games where he's piled up turnovers. Rodgers. I give it to Rodgers right now. If I had to vote this yeah. very second, I think I would give it to Rodgers. It's close, but he's he's unbelievable. He's a lot of fun, and and I know Devontae Adams missed games. Uh, that might be the only thing that separates him from having an historic like Jerry Rice nineteen eighty eight season. Ooh, uh, he might still put up. Too. That's a good point. He should go twelve type for one sixty again and rack it up. He's uh, it's unbelievable the chemistry they have and how the offense all runs through uh, Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard, uh, I don't know if he's on the horizon yet, but he when he comes back, he'll be interesting to watch, too. I love this Packers offense. All right. Final game, Greg slash Shook. I think the only game left, and this really shows how far it's fallen, is the 49ers Saints. Can you believe it that that's happened here yeah. in week 10 after where we would have Guess this game would have probably would have let off the show if we were uh, yeah. taking bets uh, back in September. Well, shook if if this is what he ends up watching, yeah, it's not a bad game. It's not terrible. It shook games go because you know I do think the 49ers will be more competitive. Everyone remembers that what happened on Thursday night. Look, they found out they lost their left tackle and number one receiver the day before the game. They found out they lost their quarterback and George Kittle two days before the game. They're on a short week coming from Seattle to play the Packers. It's all a disaster. I mean, this is a very tough matchup, too, against a uh, a Saints team that 
you know, is coming off their best game and is very complete. And I think the defense up front is definitely playing better and is going to give uh, a lot of problems to kind of the zombie 49ers. But I, I kind of think the 49ers will be a competitive team down the stretch, for instance. Like, I don't think they'll be like the Patriots, uh, that who I don't expect to compete against the best teams. I It wouldn't surprise me if you have a nice game plan here by Shanahan. It's close in the third quarter and the Saints, you know, wind up pulling away. Yeah, I'm so impressed with what the Saints did last week. And I I'm, I hear what you're saying about, like, from the Bucks angle, not um, overrating one-week performance because there are a lot of these aberration games. And if you want to knock out the Bucs, um, well, they also beat the Packers. And then, the, you know, the Packers beat the Saints. So it's like all these teams are kind of registering punches and body blows. But um, to me, it was more like what they've been through this season the Saints have had to uh, be one of the more resilient teams. It starts with the whole Michael Thomas thing. It starts with uh, basically having the Bucks come into your division and be touted as this team that's going to come and just supersede you. It, it continues on with what the fact that the Saints have had three utterly crushing playoff losses in a row. We, we look at a Falcons team that lost one Super Bowl and never recovered from it. Um, we're looking at a Niners team that went, lost a Super Bowl and they're really struggling. A lot of it has to do with um, esoteric stuff that has nothing to do with the core team. But the Saints are always hanging around, always there. It goes back to Sean Payton. And for me, I, I'm just sort of sad that the Niners are out of this because the coaching matchup alone um, is yeah. one for the ages. I know I don't want Falcons fans to get mad at us. So, yes, we are aware they went to the divisional playoffs the year after the collapse. So the, the, one throw away from beating the the champion Eagles, if if Julio I, Jones falls, I believe I, is what happens. That's part of it. And Matt Ryan, I always think of the first down play in that series. He had Julio and he overthrew him in the end zone. That's sort of an overlooked uh, sliding doors moment. There. Well, we were at one of their playoff wins, so I probably should have uh, recalled that. I just right. think in beat general, the Rams at the Coliseum, they were just a little psychologically broke. I don't think that you could say, hey, they really returned from that. Um, and showed us all that they are, you know, a long-term answer. The Saints have been this team forever because of Sean Payton, gotcha, because buddy. of Mickey Loomis, just, you know. I got you, buddy. Mickey Loomis. Yeah, that Mickey, guy Mickey is so Loomis. talented. It doesn't matter what, how many teams he's running. Give him a third team. Matter. Give him four. Um, it's, it's a nice uh, time for Mark right now. He Taysom Hill, you know, just – well, it's no, but I, I, how I haven't, you know, sung a bunch of poems about him this year. I think that's not worked out perfectly. Two great games in a row. He looked good. The 49ers, this is how you make a case for this. Why I think if uh, Shook's watching this game, it could be better. And actually, now I'm having second thoughts. I probably should have taken the game because it is the last stand for the Niners. They are the defending conference champions and their season is done. They're just going to be too deep a hole if they lose this game. So maybe, uh, Kyle Shanahan has these guys ready to roll and, and the Saints. Uh, have a real challenge on their hands. We shall see. All right, there you go. That's uh, the full Week 10 preview. And, of course, Sunday night, uh, we have the flagship show where we recap every game we just previewed. Ricky, come on back. You know, we had a little bit of dust up at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I thought you cheated. I still believe that uh, with the (laughs) lock standings telling us Tuesday afternoon, oh, yeah, 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 I locked the Raiders. Okay, cool. Uh, so we're going to lock <laughs> you in right now so we can't have any uh, – there was no fraud. We don't want any fraud. Uh, tell us who you are locking up this week uh, at 2-7 and seven for the year. Yes, I am 
you know, I'm putting a lot of effort into this, you know, top six pick rookie matchup between the Chargers and the Dolphins. And I'm really excited to see them. You know, they're both two of the three highest passer ratings for rookies going in to this game. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really, really exciting. I feel like the Dolphins are on fire. The Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert is playing lights out, right? So I think it's going to be a really good matchup, but I'm going with... <laughs> she's so nervous. She's deciding right now. As it's a talk. tough one. <laughs> All right. Before she says who it is, everyone realize whoever she doesn't pick is winning on Sunday. Erica. Tua and the Dolphins are going to take the go. win. Oh, wow. All right. Wow. I like that pick. Yeah, this is this is your chance at a a street, your first street legal uh, lock of the year because you took the Jets against (laughs) the Jets once, and then you. At this point, you're just admitting to cheating. You could keep, you know, we know it. it's kind of when fun. Was my, like, when, were, like when were my other ones, Greg, since you're so confident about, you know, street legal stuff? Oof. No, no, I'm saying it, this is your chance to be to get a street legal win. I think you're yeah. going to I think you're gonna get because there was basically the said, last week. This is your chance to earn his respect. Yeah, yeah. well, that's never no, going to happen. One, yeah, this wouldn't do it. This you know, yeah. Erica, the last time you locked up the Dolphins was on my behalf with Brock Osweiler starting, and they won. So I think there's a little bit of what a memory, a little bit of magic to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys have been seeing the storybooks I've been putting out for the NFL Up series, but this week I wrote a nursery rhyme for Tua versus Justin Herbert. So keep an eye out for that because it's well, going to be exciting. That's excellent. Check that out and tell us uh, if anyone has not seen the dump off yet with the great Emma. I, she, I know she goes by a different last name yet that I haven't learned how to pronounce, but Samaki. I'll call her yeah. Samaki, uh, Emma VP. Uh, and Ricky doing their thing, the dump off. Tell the people about that. Yeah, the dump off is our, um, you know, we give you real, real information going into the week with no absolute analysis whatsoever. So <laughs> it is fun. And Kurt Warner retweeted it. So Whoa. that's pretty cool. Wow. He definitely knows you yeah. exist, not not us. Not you um, guys. No. Okay, good sure. stuff. Check it out. Check Thanks, out the guys. dump off. Check out the uh, Tua Nursery Rhyme over on Up. Fun stuff. Um, okay. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday night. Woohoo! go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.